Hi, this is Daniel Patrick Brennan. This is the Wine is Food podcast, and I am joined finally by uh, James Ostergren. Uh, say hello, everybody, James. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, it's what? We started talking about this three months ago or something before harvest that we were yeah, going to try to get together, but... I think it was more like four, but yeah. yeah. I popped in uh, to see James and uh, at Crossroads Winery just one day. To, you know, to see if we could catch up, and then harvest hit the fan, and and then it's been uh, you know a newborn and all kinds of busy stuff for you. So uh, we're finally able to catch this before I take off for the states in a couple weeks or about a week actually. So I'm glad we snuck this in. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I uh, ran into James. First met James. Uh, I was in Hawks Bay at a. a kind of an industry tasting at EIT and I was with a buddy of mine Chris Reed who we interviewed uh in episode one of this podcast actually and uh he knew I was a big Phillies fan and I always wear my Phil's cap in the winery and uh yes you should and uh all of a sudden we see this guy come into the into the hallway before the tasting with a Phil's cap on and Chris looks at me what the hell is that about you know and I said the same thing I said what's going on so I approached James and uh Turns out he's from Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Are you from Long Beach Island? Or I am from? from Long Beach Island. Yeah, yeah. I moved uh, around a bit when I was a kid because my dad was in the army, but most of the time was on LBI. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Uh, we used to, you know, cut a half day from high school and go down and uh, go to the beach. That was sort of our local, you know, 40 minutes away from where I grew up and uh, shoot down, what is it, 63? 60, what is the road? 72. 72, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 70 72. to 72. Yeah, right 70 to 72. That's right. And, uh, uh, so right away I was interested and I thought, well, here's, I thought I was the only guy from the Philadelphia area ended up in Hawks Bay and not only from Philly, but somebody from uh, a town like Long Beach Island, which is pretty cool. Uh, how the heck did you end up in, in Hawks Bay? Well, um, my mom's actually from Hawks Bay. She, uh, grew up in Hastings and, um, okay. How did she end up in Long Beach Island? <laughs> <laughs> well, like any good Kiwi, she was doing her OE yeah. and, uh, Met with a, met up with a friend of hers who uh, she'd flattered with when she lived in Australia um, when uh, she was traveling through Virginia, and her husband was in the army, knew my dad. Uh, there was an, an officer's event. He didn't have a date, and uh, they suggested that uh, he bring along my mom, and they hit it right off. And there, and that, now and you're here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A couple years later. Um, so then, uh, you came back. I mean, you. You say some Kiwi phrasing, but pretty much American accent, I think. You know, it's kind yeah. of a bit of a mix. I mean, I wouldn't say you have a Philly or Jersey accent at all, but there's certainly... After I go home, it comes on. I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah, you listen to uh, mm. a couple Phil's games, and next thing you know, you're uh, you're right back into it, uh, you know, down by the water, you know. Yeah. Well, down the shore. I've you're going down the shore, you know what I mean? Down yeah. to the shore and get yeah. myself a coffee. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, so how long did you spend in Long Beach Island? Uh, basically all through my schooling when I was a kid, um, I went through most of elementary school there and then, uh, through high school I was there. Uh, and then I went to Boston for a couple of years and then in the army for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much what led me here because when I was in the army, I, I didn't mind the job I was doing. I was, uh, you know, turning wrenches on a helicopter, uh, which was pretty fun and interesting, but, um, wasn't so into being in the army. Mm-hmm. And uh, felt that I could definitely earn some more money doing something else, or at least be a bit happier. So, yeah. I uh, 
took off with my brother and we came down here for six months just to sort of see the world and sort of open our horizons and stuff and 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 of course uh, stay with our family and and see sure. our roots and we made some money by picking grapes and it was actually uh gordon out at uh, esque valley okay, that cool. um that convinced me to do it by telling me not to do it yeah yeah he, uh, <laughs> he said don't get involved in this industry yeah he says it's not all glamorous you got to work hard and you know it's a lot of hours and slave to the land and all that sort of stuff and he said, you're talking to an army guy what do you you know <laughs> yeah yeah well I, uh, little did he know that yeah. everything he was saying was actually attracting me to the to the wine industry and uh, yeah. i came back a couple of years later and started up at eit and and did the course there and i, I haven't looked back I, I originally thought i was going to go back to the states mm -hmm. and and work out in california somewhere but uh when i left is like a lot of kiwis i realized how good it is here yeah. in new zealand and absolutely and and how exciting the industry is, you know, it's it's a young industry. We're defining the styles, we're defining what we make and how we make it. It's it's uh, really exciting and, and vibrant. And, yeah. and um, I couldn't agree. And I think some of the most exciting wine in the world right now is, is coming out of New Zealand. Mm -hmm. it, it's such a small segment that people uh, have taken a little while to to realize, but but I think it's actually happening. No, it's it's um, well, what's what's crazy about it is. That's basically the same reason why I ended up here is that I thought, well, I don't want to go to California, but so many people asked me, but it probably, it sounds like I came a little later than you. I was a little bit more on the radar, but it's still, I mean, you talk about the, you know, percentage of production for what New Zealand or even Hawke's Bay makes and the impact that they make in the wine world is pretty well known uh, for, you know, such tiny volumes, but just great, interesting wines, so... Well, so what year did you go to EIT? Then? I started in 2001. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, that was a way. Yeah. That's definitely early on here, and especially for yeah. when things really seem to start to turn the corner in Hawke's Bay from just from me tasting the wines and hearing stories. Uh, you know, the 2000s is when it really seemed to take it to the next level. Yeah, I think through the 90s, uh, everyone was uh, starting to put it all together, and, and I think uh, in the wineries, people really – had things sorted out, but you know, the it, it took a little while to get the right varieties and the right mm -hmm. sites and and um, figure out exactly how to grow everything. And and I think uh, through the two thousands, that's um really come about. You know, everyone's figured out where to grow what, how to grow it, and uh, what not to grow, <laughs> what not to <laughs> and grow, where not to grow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, people are still experimenting. There's absolutely there's lots of really exciting varieties uh, on the horizon. I think for for New Zealand uh, being a legitimate cool climate. Yeah, well, I think one of the more interesting examples to sort of explain to people how young the area is, is there's a lot of hype right now about um, uh, Hawke's Bay Syrah and New Zealand Syrah, but particularly mm -hmm. Hawke's Bay Syrah. And, uh, and it kind of was really getting big when I got here uh, in 08, the very beginning of 08. So the 07s was like a really hot year. People were excited. I, you know, I, the 06s had just gotten released and they were tasting fantastic and still tasting. Yeah. And it's, it was great year for Syrah. And then when the 07s came out, I was a little bit stepped back because I thought, Oh no, this is a slightly different style. Cause it was a really hot, dry year. And, and it was just a little different. And I, I forget who I was talking to about it, but it was, it may have been like Hugh or somebody at Vital, but it was somebody pretty established. And we're kind of doing the math and we're like, well, the last really hot year before that was 98. And, there was like no Syrah, you know, it was like, stone, you know, um, uh, 
uh, what do you call Alan Rimmer and those guys uh, that had Alan a little Rimmer, bit of, yeah. yeah, had had some Syrah. Mills Reef like, had a little bit too. Yeah, but tiny, mm-hmm. tiny amounts. So there's like really nothing to go off of for the winemaking to say, well, what do we do when we get these levels and this, you know, the fruit like this? It was like the first time. And that's, that's how it puts it in perspective how young and still there's not that much Syrah around, you know. It's, uh, oh, it's very very tiny like 200 There's hectares or something in the country I think. exactly exactly it's very little and uh we're lucky enough to where we we've got a decent holding of it we, we've got four vineyards mm-hmm. uh placed across the, the gravels and uh, each one gives us very unique characters so when you say we you're talking about crossroads crossroads winery yeah yeah, yeah. So, um when did you start there started in 2007 yeah and uh, that's kind of a old you know fairly well established how when was that place started uh, yeah, uh, we've been around for about 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're at 22 vintages. And, um, yeah, it was established by a guy named Malcolm Reeves. I'd love to get Malcolm on an interview on this. I just think he'd be... Oh, mate, you'd never get a word in yeah, edgewise. You, you'd have a million <laughs> stories. You need to do about three or four podcasts. Yeah, he's uh, uh, like... I. I say he's like Yoda, that guy. You look at his resume; he's done like pretty much everything in food and wine industry, and uh, you know, uh, processing, uh, engineering, anything. The guy's got. In his and he's been incredibly there. influential, like because there was only the food tech degree uh, down at Massey for people to go to 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 do anything with winemaking, and he was the head tutor there, and he also had a wine club down there, uh, and a lot of people got their start mm-hmm. through uh, through his wine club. Yeah, he's. And I got it, and now he's like kind of semi-retired from EIT I just heard and uh I just he's like Sean Connery or something that dude you know he kind of talks and looks like him too <laughs> uh, but I, w- I really want to interview him and uh I probably yeah we'll have to set aside normally these go we'll see how we go but normally 30 40 minutes or something that that one I think I'll have to do an hour and a half special or something with because he's a pretty legendary dude but I think you were telling me when we first talked that you can see him all over the winery, basically at Crossroads, and I know you guys have expanded a little bit since. But yeah, we've expanded quite a bit. His his footprint uh, isn't as big as it used to be, but uh, yeah, he used to because he was he was the head tutor when I was at EIT, mm-hmm. and he used to tell us all these these stories about how he managed to do this and do that, and and uh, which is really his thing. He really likes to instead of going out and buying something, he likes yeah. to take a bunch of stuff and and make something. Yeah, and. Uh, and then all the stories sort of came together when I started working there. Because in 07, <laughs> it was still the same winery that he had. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we, on, we only did about 200 tons through there. And uh, it was it was a really interesting place to work and, and really interesting to sort of come full circle from my studies right, right into the real world. Yeah, you see yeah. Uh, peace and stuff. To, yeah, he's... I mean, and he was like that when he lectured too. He's like, "Oh, you can take this thing and make this out of it." And he's teaching about stills and and uh, you know, w- any work you do with him in the wineries, he'd be like, "Let's try something here," you know. And he, you know, and you, he, you learn a lot from that guy. So I, I hope to talk to him soon. But mm. so did he, you know, sort of the wines that have become like we were just talking about the talisman before. Well, talisman is something that he created, and and you know, that's a large reason why he, he created Crossroads Winery. Uh, he wanted to make uh, a blended wine um, of varietals that weren't necessarily mainstream varieties, um, or at least uh, didn't have, uh, it wasn't just exclusively mainstream varieties. And to try and create a wine that was, that had good body, had good color, had good tannic weight, uh, a wine that could age, you know, a, a true icon wine for the region. And um, 
And I think he's really done it. You know, I, Talisman is a very unique wine. Uh, it's a mystery blend. We don't tell anyone what the blend is. Uh, it changes every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to express uh, what we can out of the year. So wait a minute, you said earlier you that's part of your contract is that's the only uh what is it fireable or uh, terminal exp- uh yeah, offense yeah. or something yeah it's the only thing in my contract which which calls for uh me to be fired if i uh reveal that if i reveal that can you even reveal the varietals in it not percentage no so no you not even like yeah you just kind of nope. know what's sort of in it but i know what's in it yeah 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 but i'm saying but that the the people that like you go taste it it doesn't say anything on the bottle doesn't say anything on the bottle so that's kind of mm-hmm. you know because you can have export issues with that or or is it just uh no 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 we're pretty good blend or something like that or yeah uh well we just call it talisman yeah you know it's it's um like you know everything in in bordeaux isn't a cab merlot or a cab merlot franc yeah, or whatever know. it's just from bordeaux and yeah. And so um, it's kind of a similar thing. You we just don't say. I think that's the, actually the rule is if you don't say. Any, if you don't li- say it's Cabernet Merlot, you think you don't have to list your percentages. So you guys just don't say anything at all. We keep our mouth shut. That's good. That's we good. just let the wine do the talking. There you go. Um, that's really interesting because I've had that wine one time and it was awesome. It was an older one at a Brookfield's tasting actually, and it was phenomenal. It was and it was. But it was like kind of a dick move for somebody to bring that to a blind tasting because even he didn't know what was in it. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, all right, well, cool. It's a red blend from Hawks Bay, you know. Um, so um, yeah. So the other th- one of the other things you mentioned, it, it, there has been some benefits to the fact that we didn't do this interview three or four months ago because slowly I've thought about other things I wanted to ask you, and I've also found out, um, like you mentioned the other day when we thought about doing this over the weekend, you said. Well, the waves will dictate whether I, I, uh, we do when we do this interview, and that seems to that make sense. We got a nice rainy day today, so you're not missing much out there. Um, well, there were some waves out there today, but yeah. I had to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Long Beach Short Island, days Long Beach Island is actually one, the only other place I ever surfed besides New Zealand. And mm-hmm. when I say surf, I mean kind of swimming on a surfboard and maybe getting up, and right. that goes here as well because yeah. I'm not much of a surfer, but I do have fun out there. But uh, uh well, it's something I picked up really when I got here to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I've dabbled around with it a little bit back home, but there's not really too many waves yeah. back in Jersey. Yeah. You get a few around September when the hurricanes start battering Florida. Mm-hmm. But uh, coming here to New Zealand, uh, my mates uh, used to laugh and say I was getting a degree in winemaking and a gr- degree in surfing at the same time. Because yeah. uh, being a student, you have a bit of extra time. Sure. And uh, we Random times is what you get. Exactly. Yeah, you know, time to get there when everyone else is at work and, you know, you get the good waves. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hawks Bay is an interesting place to to live for that. There's a lot of different waves and a lot of different places. And yeah, I've heard you know. And again, I don't know that much about it, but friends of mine who do surf, uh, I had a, another buddy who was like a surfing winemaker uh, who used to work at Trinity, and kind of heard mixed things. Like you know, Hawks Bay is like kind of underrated as as far as surfing goes because it's a little bit off the beaten path not that surfers won't go for that but it's just doesn't always appear in all the surf books and there's some interesting breaks you got to kind of find or whatever so yeah it's a, it's a bit more that you got to know where to be at the right time in hawks bay and uh the predominant swells we get are southwest swells and uh, the bay doesn't really allow those in no so you go up the coast or you go down the coast and you get much more consistent surf and bigger waves and, and that sort of stuff but you know there, there's some times when when Hawks Bay really shines, that little break down the road from where I live at Tijuana, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's the only place where if you have a massive southerly with howling southerly winds, it's offshore and pumping. Yeah. That would be one of the only places on the whole East Coast. So there are times when Hawks Bay shines, and um, and when you when you get a bit of local knowledge, uh, you can you can definitely find a whole lot of waves. Yeah, it's uh, definitely more than Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I don't doubt that. We I did a little weekend with some friends up in uh, like Mahanga, Mahia. Yeah, area, yeah. And that was awesome place. Yeah, that was like the second or third time I had surfed since I was back in you know like in my thirties, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a little. It was kind of tough learning how to <laughs> getting surf lessons on like four foot swells. You know what I mean? It's like oh, the surf compound in there. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, but. Uh, just beautiful area, and there's uh, even just being within Hawks Bay to be able to shoot up there. You know, say you might know it's coming. You can, what's that? A couple hours to get up there. Yeah, a couple hours, and, and, and a lot of guys do it. Yeah, you know, if the swell's going to be good, head up to Mahi and. Uh, so do you now? I know we've had a really late harvest this year, and uh, you know both of us were working late today actually. Um, yep. Still, and it's July. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done in the winery, but things are starting to settle down a little bit. I know you got mm-hmm. the the wee one, but are you, uh, you know, as winter time comes, uh, there's still some slower times in winemaking where you can shoot off and do some some surfing, and keep up with it, or or uh, it tends to be a weekend thing until the days get a bit longer. Yeah, because uh, you know, um, as well as uh, there's still being a lot of work. Yeah. Um, you know, because the mailers are just finishing now, so we're racking all that out of barrel and. We're getting the whites ready for bottling, and then, you know, we've we've got last year's reds to get out of bottle uh, to add a barrel after that, and get get those into bottle. And uh, but it's also a, a big time for for marketing for uh, our winemaker Miles Denine. He uh, he heads overseas and and does quite a few things. So I'm left in charge of the winery, which um definitely increases my workload yeah. a little bit. But yeah. that's no problem. Um, do you guys have permanent cellar hands there, or one or two, or is it basically no, just you going? It's just uh, me and Miles. Yeah, yeah. And we, we've been a team there since '07. We get a um, um, a guy uh, in for vintage uh, to work the lab. A guy named Bill Tunnycliffe. He's a fantastic guy, and and uh, he's been with us since 2005. He's come in every single vintage. works works about six to eight months with us, and then uh, he uh, takes the rest of the year off quite a nice way to be that's pretty cool yeah and uh we generally get a, a, a few cellar hands in for vintage uh as the winery's grown you know in 2007 we did 200 tons this last year we did about 800 uh so you know this year we had four cellar hands that we brought in and but you know the first couple of years i was there we only had one yeah and uh, and uh we've, we've always had a german in the cellar which is which is always quite a cool thing or is that as well? that's something that's kind of come about over the years or what is there a reason yeah well it, it's strangely difficult to get kiwis in the winery uh, always yeah. trying yeah but um in 2005 they they had a guy uh come over from uh, geisenheim university and uh he worked out really really well and so they said next year send over a mate and then that's kind of continued mm-hmm. up, up until you know even this year we had yeah, a, like we had a german fellow yeah. yeah and and they the guys that are in Geisenheim that we've been getting all have family wineries back in in Germany, and they kind of g- grew up on a tractor. I've heard that's cool, but I don't remember. Uh, th- I believe that's the town as well. Yeah, in yeah. Germany, I'm not exactly sure. That's all right. That's cool. Yeah, but most of the guys we get are are based in the Rheinhessen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a guy from Faltz this year, um, but most of the guys have been from the Rheinhessen, which is a big area, uh, and there are a lot of big vineyards out there. But all these guys are all 
just from little family wineries and yeah there's still a lot of that in europe so and they're great workers and, and great guys and <coughs> and it, it's been it's been really cool having them having them in the winery and now that we've got a few more cellar hands and and word's gotten out about crossroads a little bit i managed to get a few kiwis in there we got yeah. a we got a kiwi guy uh in the winery at the moment and, and he's been working out great good and, uh, so yeah, it's good. No, you're not. You're not the only one to say that. I talked to a lot of other sort of assistant winemakers and got people who are in charge of hiring staff, and uh, it can be tough to to get a Kiwis in because either they go overseas and they want uh, the other experience, or you know, I think it's tough to stay in New Zealand year round. There's only so many jobs, and then and then the other thing is the bulk. So many people want to come here to do harvest uh that they just get a lot of lot, you know so many more applicants and uh i don't know i guess if you grow up here you might want to go try the but try the rest of the world for a bit but it, you know i think yeah, a lot well, kiwis have happy feet yeah yeah, yeah, I'm, a, yeah I'm a product of that myself yeah <laughs> um but i agree with you i like it here a lot so like coming back coming back to it um other places you've worked in between where you were at EIT? Did you do some internships? Uh, yeah, I um, I sort of, uh, my first year, I, I went up and did a couple of weeks at a, at a really cool winery called Akahu Estate up in Kaitai, and that was fantastic. Where's Kaitai? Uh, Kaitai is all the way up in, in Northland. If, yeah. if you, if, if, when you head onto the onto 90 Mile Beach, that town's Ahipara. And it was five minutes from there. I was just talking about that area with somebody. I don't even know if it was on this podcast or not, but somebody was talking about 90 Mile Beach and all that. Could have been last week or a couple of weeks ago. But anyway. a beautiful place, great people, a really magical, magical place in New Zealand. Yeah. And uh, Monty Knight, the owner of the, the winery, is a bit of a local legend. Yeah. He's got his own radio show. And <laughs> yeah, he owns a Retrovision yeah. in town and... And, okay. and all that and he's a fantastic guy they took great care of us and um i really really enjoyed it and then uh the next few vintages i worked down at church road mm-hmm. uh, do you work with chris over there i did there? i was did my first vintage uh he was still in gisborne mm-hmm. and uh i worked with uh a guy who eventually became my boss at crossroads at uh with matt mitchell um and um and of course tony the, the winemaker there and and um and then after that it, uh that's when when Chris came in, mm-hmm. and uh, and in my last vintage in 2005, he was pretty much taking the reins then. Yeah, I really like yeah. Chris. Is a great guy. Uh, when I first got to Hawks Bay, sort of poking around and tasting rooms and trying to get my handle on what who was making good wine and you know what styles I liked, I was like okay with Church Road. But since then, it's like every year it's gotten better and better. And and I just like you know particularly like the Couve series and some of the reserve stuff. It's just like these are serious wines at really good value. And we went through there when we were at EIT and saw some of the stuff he does with his Chardonnay. And I just like the guy. I thought it was cool. He's real hands on, just passionate, and seems like he's kind of been there for the you know like kind of came up through the whole thing. So yep, uh, he just had some interesting things to say and interesting uh, perspective on things and. Yeah, because kind of w- easy guy to root for, you know what I mean. He's oh, without hard, a doubt, hardworking dude, you know what I mean. So yeah, and loves life. it. Yeah, he yeah. really lives lives the the wine life. Yeah, and uh, the whole crew there has been together for quite a while. You know, um, when I worked my first vintage there in two thousand two, it was the uh, the first or second vintage for a lot of the crew that are still there, mm. and so it was really interesting to see the the progression that the winery's taken. You know, they the every year they try and step up their game. They must and be doing something good because. 
they're closing other big wineries and starting to make more stuff there <laughs> offhand. You know, they close that big Pandora winery. Yeah, at Corbin's. Uh, I, yeah. I I think that that uh, has has something to do with with the the mothership. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, sure. But it's like, oh, all right, yeah, okay. But I'm sure they'll handle it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Uh, and then after that, I I I did my last vintage with them in 2005, and then I I went over and I did a vintage in California at a really really fantastic winery called Flowers up in uh oh yeah okay. in uh, Northern I'm Sonoma. I knew a girl who worked there. Two people I worked with, um, and they yeah they do what Chardy and uh, Pino, right? Chardonnay and Pino. And it, wait, wait, this is don't they have like a legendary uh, intern flat that you guys stay in or something? Oh yeah, yeah it was like the sick oh, it's the greatest thing like, ever. It was like five star accommodation for interns. Oh, without something. a doubt, it was just because they're way out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. They're literally an hour from the nearest town. Yeah, and that's not much of a town, and. And so they have a, a lot of trouble getting Californians in there. And s- most of the staff is from overseas, and there's really not any accommodation around there. So they get this house. They get the same house every year, and it is just glorious. It's, it's a, a pad, fantastic huh? place. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a really nice big house, heaps of rooms. They've got a, a hot tub and a big deck. And, and uh, it, it's an amazing place to be because you're really close to the ocean, but you're at about 1,000 feet elevation. And that's kind of where the fog layer stops. Yep. Because the ocean there is, is about freezing all year round. And they get fog all the way up to about 1,000 feet. So all the vineyards are just on the little hilltops all around. Huh. And uh, and it's all redwood forests. And it's just really stunning. So it's a beautiful exactly part of the world. N- Northern California? It is just south of the border of Mendocino. Okay. So it's way up there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a stunning place to be, stunning place to grow Pinot. The, and Chardonnay, they, they make fantastic wine there. I've only heard good yeah. things, and I've never had the wines. I've like looked at the website when, uh, after these two girls I know that worked there were talking about it, and uh, yeah, they they even said, but I think yeah, it was so far from everything <laughs> that I was like, but I. That's the know, one thing. Yeah, they do take care of you really well to make up for that. You yeah. know, they they sent us home with wine all the time. Uh, they had a chef that uh cooked for harvest and there was always heaps of food to bring yeah, home yeah that's what I, another thing i heard was like you eat well you drank well they really took care of you i was like that sounds pretty good yeah I it's a pretty neat place there. when i was there the winemaker was a guy named ross cobb too and he's a fantastic guy he he taught me a lot about uh how to be a winemaker with style yeah okay. the guy didn't roll anywhere without a case of wine in his trunk yeah yeah well <laughs> that's what's expected of us you know what i mean you gotta you gotta roll deep you know Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, we tasted a lot of Pinot, which uh, isn't easy to do on a student's budget. No. So I was I was really lucky to go there and, and uh, had a great vintage. I've been back to see them and, and uh, you know, they were welcomed me back with open arms. I even got to stay in the in what they, oh. call, they call it the crush pad, the, <laughs> okay, uh, the yeah, intern house. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so I, I on the way back, uh, I came back and, and I, I stopped in Hunter Valley and did a vintage there. At a little winery, well, not little, but a winery called First Creek, mm-hmm. and uh, worked with a, a fantastic winemaker named Jim Shadow. He's um, he he does his own thing. He's got his own wines, and and he um, he's the winemaker. I s- believe he's still the winemaker for Pepper Jack wines. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and he's making a name for himself as a wine judge as well. But he was a great guy. knew a lot about winemaking. Really, uh, uh, was was open with us, and and really taught me the Aussie style. And and sort of why they do what they do, and and uh, you know the Hunter Valley is not the easiest place to make wine, but he he managed to make some pretty nice wine out of there. And mm. 
you liked Australia though. Otherwise, living there and doing it was that? bloody hot. Yeah, man, it was hot. Yeah, it was like forty degrees by by lunch by Smogo every day. Yeah, and uh, it got up to fifty degrees twice when we were there. It was just ridiculous. So that's for the Americans listening and back home. That's fifty degrees is like a hundred and twenty. Oh, it's about a hundred and twenty. Yeah, that's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> forty forty is a little is about a hundred. I think. I think yeah, forty is like a hundred and two or hundred and three. Mm, I think yeah. close to that. So. Phew. Feels like 110. So it was, it was interesting. Big Shiraz yeah. and you know big big bold reds and yeah and and some surprising whites. They yeah. make really interesting Vidello over in uh, oh, the yeah, Hunter. Yeah, actually. It doesn't get it's a like lot a of real dry crisp kind of style. It'd be like yeah, but maybe real the tasty. difference between because some of the Verdello I've had here is like more like what Pinot Gris as your Pinot Grigio would be like, and it's more of like a Italian Pinot Grigio in the sense of crisp, dry yeah. sort of style. Um, that's definitely what they're doing over there. Yeah, I've never had it. And it's just quite fruity, and and it works really well. It's it's quite a nice wine. Sounds like a good food wine. Yeah, but after that, I headed down to to work with uh, another brilliant winemaker, Matt Dicey, down at Mount Difficulty in Central Otago. Oh, yeah, I was just there last week. I did a tasting there, and uh, I'm working with uh, Desert Heart Wines right down. down, Keep going down Felton Road. They're just a vineyard there, but they have their own brand. And we're selling their stuff in the States now. But I uh, did a tasting at Mount Difficulty, and you should go visit again. They just uh, redid their restaurant and tasting room, and apparently oh, they nice. got this. Um, I don't know if they started. The winery's got, like, uh, all, like they're getting all this eco-praise because they the, the, w- the roof of the winery is like a garden. Oh, wow. It's, like, built into the hill, and there's, yeah, it's got, like, plants and everything growing off the roof, so... Interesting. Yeah, I'll yeah it's, check it's, it's out. pretty yeah. cool. I was like, oh. Imagine everything's cool. done really intelligently. Matt's Matt's a really smart guy and uh, really thinks about ev- everything that they do there. And mm-hmm. it was definitely one of the best setups uh, of any winery I've ever worked at. And it's pretty awesome down in Otago, man. It's just like yeah. In 2006, when I was there, it was it was a great year. Uh, interesting harvest. Uh, the the berries were were really big. I remember uh, giant fruit set. Robin Dicey, Matt's dad, um, was bringing in the fruit. And, you know, he said in his thick South African accent that they were the ugliest grapes he'd ever seen. You know, but the wines were fantastic. You know, the the wines. I mean, they're they're proving to just start. They're just starting to really open up now, and uh, they're just really really nice. Otago's sort of fascinating area and something I'm trying to learn more about and. Um, overall trying to learn more about Pinot, um, because we're, ma- you know, I'm making some every year and from Martinborough, but, <coughs> um, Otago's just weird, man. It's like, you know, the, the, like Desert Heart, for example, is like set between these two hills. They get no frost yet. You'd go, how, you know, you're just, you mm-hmm. see snow off on the hills, you know, late summer <laughs> and it's yeah. like, and uh, or all summer, uh, but they get 14 and a half hours of sunshine because it's just this, the way the sun is down there, and wha- and the sun is so strong, and and uh, it's a desert. Yeah, and it's so dry. It's like mm-hmm. the only thing like that grows is time. Yeah, you look. It's like it looked like you were in Colorado or something, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, a strange, strange area. But and and it reflects in the wines. And when you smell the wines, and you're just like, what the hell? This is so crazy, and it's. Uh, they're distinctive. The, the extremes, yeah, they're very distinctive and um, got great fu- uh, fruit purity, and they've also got like a really nice minerality to them, and mm. and uh, they've really got a sense of place, which yeah. I think is really important with Pinot. Uh, Absolutely, Pinot is one of those wines that uh, 
really refre- reflects everything that that's come about in, in making yeah. the wine. You know how it's yeah. grown, how it's made. You know, it, uh, a lot of winemakers just like to call it unforgiving. Yeah. But uh, you know, anything you do to it reflects in the wine, so uh, it makes it a bit more interesting. I uh, think. Even just going back and tasting, like after that trip. I went down there and we tasted all the wines. I tasted some Mount Difficulty wines and some Felton Road wines and trying to get a perspective of the region, which Bannockburn is that region there, which, you know, I'd say there's half a dozen great wineries all there. And, you know, there's a couple other ones throughout. Oh, without a doubt. But a lot of them are in Bannockburn. And uh, it's... Yeah, you're just like I have questions that come back, and I'm now like, by the way, did you press straight the barrel? Because I'm trying to, fi- you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, and it's such a unique the the pinots down there are just. But the different the different little areas are quite interesting too. You know, you get in the Gibson Valley, and it doesn't quite seem to get as much as the praise of Bannockburn, but those wines are very interesting and aged and very well. Again, and so young, y- we don't even know what you know is gonna. Because it's a bit colder kind of through there, and yeah. and uh, my, my my wife, uh, who was my girlfriend at the time, was working at at a fantastic winery called uh, Peregrine. Sure. And uh, yeah, they make top notch wine down there, Absolutely. and they're right in the middle of the Gibson Valley, mm-hmm. and uh, the wind howls through there. And she would always talk about how cold it was. And she took this incredible picture where there's a, a few barrels on racks on on the crush pad, and uh, they've got snow on them. And it's the middle of harvest. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit different, you know. Yeah. Complain a little bit when it rains in Hawks Bay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. You see people pruning and you know, snow and everything like that. It's like, uh, I I was glad glad to catch the sort of very beginning of winter there. It was gorgeous and pristine and very quiet and tranquil down there, but not so i mean it was zero when we mm. landed you know it was freezing when I, the plane landed and everything and uh but it can be quite barren and cold and everything i think if but i mean it seems like it gets hotter more hot down there in the summertime than it does it does it gets quite hot in the yeah, summer it's, it's crazy so they've got the extremes you know it gets yeah. it gets really hot and gets really cold it's but uh, it's those fringe areas where Pinot does well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chardonnay, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actually, uh, some of the Chardonnays I had around there were some of the best. And I, I've uh, I've probably said this on this podcast before, and I'll say it in tastings um, back in the States a lot, that I think Chardonnay throughout New Zealand is just not, on, not only underrated, but just varies from... You know, you talked about up in Northland. They probably made Chardonnay up there. Without a doubt, Monty yeah. was well known for Chardonnay. All the way Otago. down to Otago, and the you know you go through Marlborough Chardonnay and Canterbury and Martinborough and Hawkes Bay and well, the all best the way is up in Hawkes Bay. Yeah, all the way up to Kumi River and everything. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I I love the wines overall from Hawkes Bay more than more than anything. Um, well, Chardonnay was one of the varieties that really grabbed me when I when I first came over here. Uh, you know, I've, I wasn't drinking very expensive wine mm-hmm. uh, back in the States before I got into the whole wine thing. And, and uh, some of the Chardonnays I had, you know, didn't have the, the vibrancy and, the, and the, the, the purity of fruit and everything that you get from the, from the Chardonnays here in New Zealand. And um, when I tasted, when I first started tasting them here, I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, I didn't, like I didn't think I really liked white wine. Yeah, you know? it redefines it, is what I, you know. And you can pull out, you know. Like we said, fifteen dollar ones, twelve dollar ones here that are just you're like, what the, you know? And it, <coughs> I think, 
they always say, oh, it's a winemaker's Chardonnay, and it, you know, can be a little more subtle, and they add oak, but like, you can do an unoaked one here, and it just brilliant fruit on it. And it's again the young soils here in New Zealand and things like that. And so. and that's something too, where um, as we've learned uh, how to deal with the fruit and how to maximize the fruit out of the vineyard, that we're starting to get Chardonnay. Well, we've been getting Chardonnays for the past probably about ten years that that really age well. Yeah. And you know you're starting to really get into the classic Burgundian style with with a lot of the wines and. You know, as you can go through Burgundy and and you have your your different regions and and you have your different styles of Chardonnay, I really think that you're getting the same sort of thing here in New Zealand. You know, you can you can go all around and and like Hawks Bay, you know, you get big stone fruit and and uh, you know leading with the fruit, and so you can hit it with a with a decent amount of oak and mm-hmm. balance it out, and then you get down in Marlboro where the um, the Chardonnay is a bit leaner and more elegant, so y- it, it's it's a you yeah, know it calls for a, a bit more of a yeah. a gentle touch, and then you know you go up in in uh, Gisborne where you get really strong fruity wines, and uh, you've got everything in between, and uh, you know for someone who loves Chardonnay, you know New Zealand should be on their radar. Yeah, yeah. You know that it it doesn't seem to get a lot of press. I don't know why, because well, I, I think it's one of the best wines I in New Zealand. I think part of it is that you know and I always said that they'll have a tough time uh, they'll always have a tough time exporting it as because everybody makes chardonnay in the whole yeah. world and uh again with that fraction of of the industry that tiny tiny bit that that New Zealand produces for them to make an impact it, it took Sauvignon Blanc which is just so out there and so bright and so unique and everything to and now Pinot seems to be the red that's I always say Sav put him on the map Pinot's keeping us fair and uh and Sorrel will hopefully bring us a problem yeah the yeah I think Syrah is kind of uh, something else that uh but it's going to take some more planting of it and, you know but I, I've already got some writers and folks back in the states and you know educators and people that are real into wine that are uh really wanting some New Zealand Syrah so hopefully it starts with them and goes to uh well, we, we've gotten some good press from the states for for our Syrah, and uh, but the UK at the moment is is where we're getting a lot of of yeah, uh, they seem of to press. Be onto it it's like the big thing over there on. now. Yeah. yeah, so that's great. Um, and I don't want to forget to mention. You just reminded me that Gisborne. You said something. We were talking about Gisborne you, earlier. You said that was your favorite place in the world, or something. Or uh, it's definitely my, fa- my favorite place in the world. So why is that? What? What's? I mean, obviously there's some good surf breaks up there. But well, um, you know, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too much, but you know, there is some good surf up there. Yeah. Uh, and and don't it's worry, nobody's it listening anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's a great town. You know, yeah. I I grew up on the beach. I grew up in a little town. Gisborne's kind of like that little town on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, the isolation that Gisborne has, I, I really love. You know, a lot of people say the problem is it takes three hours to drive there, but I think that's that's the benefit. That's the beauty of the place. Sure. It's a an, it's an incredibly beautiful place to be. Uh, you're never far from the beach. Uh, I really think the the wines are quite underrated. I think there are some producers up there that are making some really fantastic wines, especially your Chardonnay, Viognier, even Pinot Gris from up there. Um, and you know you've got you got everything uh, from the big boys down to small organics. You know you got Milton who's leading the charge for their organic wine there. And Those wines are amazing. Yeah, and it's a tough place to be organic. Um, yep. Sweaty out there. Yeah, it know? can rain a little bit. You know yep, you get yep. some some easterly uh, systems that come in during vintage time. Uh, but 
it's it's a place where they've been growing grapes there for quite a while, and I think there there are quite a number of growers that really have their finger on the pulse and and know know what's going on. They've even had a few pretty nice merlots from there. Yeah, no, I've had yeah. some some good merlots. But the there. people are great. the The lifestyle is great. Um, you know, you're right on the beach, and that's me to a T. Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, I think. Uh, I just couldn't get a job there. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> I lived up there for about six months, and I spent a season pruning. And yeah. And uh, my wife really couldn't find uh, work up there either. So, we we found jobs down here in, in Hawks Bay, and and uh, we've left it for now. But you know, maybe in a few years we'll get up there. Cool. I'm hoping my boy turns into a surfer, so I'll have to bring him up there. Do some champion surfing up there. Exactly. Well, hopefully next time we talk to you, you're still in Hawks Bay, but you know we'll. Uh It'll be sooner than a few years, basically. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, d- I don't think I'll be going for a while. You know, the, the grandparents uh, live in Hawks Bay, and and it's it's quite nice having them just down the road. and And my wife loves it here. She grew up here, yeah. And uh, she's a Hawks Bay girl. And it's a pretty awesome area. Yeah. yeah, and it is a great place to be. You know, and I live in Hamawana, which is a pretty beachy community. Yeah, and you can get a, you know a wee bit of culture here, and some of the arts, and some of the good. F- it's great food area and all that. So. Yeah. But again, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too much. You know? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I don't want to tell people too much. Uh, well, cool, man. I think yeah. we're going to leave it there. That's, uh, I th- think I said, yeah, we do tend to do 30 minutes or so, and we're over 40. So how fast did that go? Yeah, that was pretty easy. Yeah, so, uh, uh, but yeah, man, uh, it sounds like we could, we could talk for a while about some more things. We'll have to check in with you next year uh, when I get back from california and we'll see uh how the wines are tasting and uh how, how the boy is doing and uh we'll go from there and thanks for doing that That sounds and, great uh, no problem i'll put up uh i have like a little website i'll put up uh the crossroads winery website uh and facebook page and uh and a thanks to james ostergren well thanks for having me mate it was, it was quite fun cheers <laughs>